0: I want to welcome everybody, welcome you this afternoon, those who are streaming the service online, and um, I'm just glad that you're here and glad that we can use this space together. This is Memorial Day weekend, which is the unofficial beginning of summer, right? So how many of you are going to be outside doing some grilling, doing some stuff like that this weekend? Let me see. Okay, great you're deciding. Come on, get your hands up. I mean, that's good. And um, anyhow, but we also remember way, way beyond this. We remember that this is a weekend where we uh, honor uh, those who have gone before us and paid great prices for the freedoms we enjoy. And so that's what we remember a lot of us think about on a weekend like this. So I just always like to do this. If you're here, And uh, you have served uh, your country in any form of the service, or you have a relative who has, or maybe even someone who has paid that ultimate price. Would you just stand in the room so we can honor you and your family and your loved ones? There they are. Praise God for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, amen, thank you. So good to have you with us this afternoon. And it reminds me, on a weekend like this, we, this is the kind of, the theme we're looking at, John chapter 15 says, this greater love is no one than this, to lay one, down one's life for his friends. And that's really a good lead off uh, into what we're talking about. We are in week five of a series, we're calling the series Long Story Short, and uh, what we're doing is we're looking at the movements of scripture, the, the entire Bible, and we're trying to do it in six weeks. So we have quite an assignment in front of us. We've been working on it pretty faithfully. And uh, here's what we're saying. All of the Bible together, we think about that, you know, uh, 40 authors, 1,500 years, uh, three languages, three continents, uh, 66 books, all these different things. Uh, Those who study scripture tell us that scripture can be boiled down really into six large movements. And if we understand them in the future, then whatever we're reading, we can connect it to one of these movements. So this is what we've been doing. The first movement we looked at was creation. We looked at the second movement you saw in the video there, fall. We looked at the third movement, which is uh, really how God forms a people. So we, we call that people. And if you were with us last week, we looked at the life of Jesus. And so we've, we've been saying this. If, if the Bible's telling a story, the story's a biography. It's a biography about a person, and it's a biography about Jesus, and I was thinking about this. I thought, you know, I collect as a pastor, I collect quotes uh, that are meaningful to me. And as a pastor and as a communicator, even as a follower of Jesus, I've, you know, got do a lot of reading and a lot of highlighting and all of this. And I thought, you know, some great quotes uh, about Jesus, maybe from a believer and maybe from a non-believer. First, a Yale historian, a Jerusalem Pelican. this is one of my favorite quotes. He says, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth has been uh, the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for over 20 centuries. And if it were possible, this is my favorite part of this, with some sort of super magnet to pull up out of history, every scrap of metal bearing at least a trace of his name, not much would be left. Isn't that good? And then historian H.G. Wells, who is not a follower of Christ, says this, He says, a historian like myself who does not call himself a Christian finds the picture of Christ uh, centering and the picture of history centering irresistibly around the life and the character of this most magnificent man. And he goes on to write, he said, the historian's test of an individual's greatness really is what did this person leave to grow? Did he or she start, uh, men, thinking along fresh lines with a vigor that persisted after them? If so, by this test alone, Jesus stands first. Isn't that good? And so we've been learning about the life of Christ, and when we picture the life of Jesus up against the backdrop of our own humanity, uh, there have been some things we've been learning. And if you are with us last week, we just simply said it this way, we, we learn we're lost and 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 humanity really is a picture really of various kinds of lostness and all of us can kind of connect with that and what we've been saying in the series is all of us have gotten to places in our lives where we go i don't know how I got here i don't know what has happened i don't know how to get out of this and the bible has a word it uses often to describe this kind of lostness we looked at it last week and the word is exile and and it communicates the idea that we've actually uh, been Carried off, if you will, by our own desires, by our own misunderstandings, and we find ourselves separated from that which we love the most, not knowing how we got there and not knowing how we get out. It's an exile. And I don't know. I think about this because in a few moments, you're going to leave these doors. You're going to go back out on a culture, and you're going to run face into it. And you're going to see every now and again, you can just look at life from a particular way and go, feels lost. Lost feels broken, feels difficult. And so the Bible says when you put put our life up against the life of Christ, we, we notice our own lossless, we notice our exile. But then the Bible says this, and into this picture comes Christ and he has come to find us. Isn't that a great, that's just a great, sounds like a great line in a story and it is, he has come to find us. Now we've been looking at the first half of scripture and we've been building from Genesis chapter 1, we, we know it, many of us who don't even open the Bible, we know Genesis one. in the beginning God created what? The heavens and the earth. And then when you get to the New Testament, John, the writer of uh, the fourth gospel, he begins in a similar way, John 1.1, he says this, in the beginning, sounds similar, was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Sounds similar, but different. And then we get to verse 14, and he says this incredible thing, and we already sang it. Billy had us sing it. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. We could tell he was different, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And here's where we're learning a little bit, if we have our thinking caps on. We're learning about this God who's come in flesh. John is saying, no, he's the same God that was there from beginning. So he's been there, that, so we get an idea of the Trinity. And so Jesus has come for us. He's on a rescue mission, and we have to choose to go with him. And with this thing I love about our church, we're just, we just create we, our, our goal really behind, if you peel back the curtain of community Ho- of hope, our goal really is to create a space where people are free to make a decision whether you're going to go with Christ or not. And some of us are singing. I always think about this when we sing. Some of us are here and we're singing as we're convinced. So it's like just like welling out of us. I had somebody tell, tell me before, I can't help but sing. And they said, I don't, I don't sing anywhere else. And I knew this person and I was thinking to myself, I didn't say it, but I was thinking, you probably shouldn't sing anywhere else. But, but in here he goes, I can't, I can't help but sing. But some of us are in here and we're, we're singing we're not convinced, but we're exploring. And this is what I would say to you, explore, keep exploring. And so that, so that's the uh, fourth movement is about Jesus. And we've been saying this, Jesus is on a rescue mission. He's come to offer himself as the chief rescuer. But what we're going to talk about today in movement number five, and what I want to show you is his main plan on how he rescues people. And it's kind of a weird plan. And so we're going to look at a, a passage of scripture. Some of us may know Uh, many of us do not and it's in Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to talk a little bit about the church and I want to I want to show you the very first time the word church was ever used in the Bible this is where it comes from right here this is the epicenter of it Matthew 16 verse 13 here's the story familiar to some not to many Uh, and 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 Matthew writes it. he says this now when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples He said, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied and they said, some say John the Baptist. Okay. Some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then the Bible says that Jesus turned to Peter and he says, hey, what about you, Peter? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered. He said, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. That's an important thing. And then in verse 17, Jesus replied, "'Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, "'for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood.'" In other words, you didn't come up with this, but it came up uh, through you by my Father. And he says, look at what he says here now. "'And I will tell you that you're Peter. "'And on this rock,' here it comes, first time ever, "'I will build my,' there it is, say it, "'church. "'And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. "'And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. "'And whatever you bind on earth,' will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That's a way that Jesus is saying the church is going to have a lot of authority in the world. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes when I think about the church, uh, I, I, and I want to say this with respect, but I want to say it with honesty and authenticity. Sometimes when I think about the church, I, I think this. Jesus, couldn't you have come up with a better idea? You ever thought about that? Because if you live life long enough and you experience church long enough, you you see church in all of its, I have a friend who says, all of its unfettered glory. And sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not great. One of the ways, uh, one of the experiences that I've had over the years is to meet with people who are connecting with Community of Hope, and, and, and they've been hurt by church. And so all the experiences out there aren't great. they are great experiences, and there are not great experiences, and I've had a unique vantage point to, to watch some of that. But every now and again, I I, I think when I read this passage, especially, and I think that Jesus is on a rescue mission and the way, the chief way he's going to accomplish his mission is through the church. And, and again, I'm, I'm not God and everybody should say amen for that. But every now and again, I go, Lord, could you have not thought maybe of like a better idea you ever had a friend tell you an idea and you and you say to yourself, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a great idea. <laughs> I, I was sharing in one of the services. I remember when my brother and I were growing up and in our neighborhood, we lived in a neighborhood that was carved out of an orange grove. And so like every spring, I mean, you know, and then, and then I lived in a neighborhood that in the summer we'd all band together. Like it was like a mob, you know and i lived in a neighborhood where my parents were felt it was safe back you know back in the day right and my parents would kick us out of the house and they'd say we don't want to see you till the street lights come on like get out we don't want to see you when street lights come on come on time to come home and we'd go out and play. And I remember one time that I was with my younger brother and we were down at a neighbor's house. They were swimming in the pool in the backyard and we hatched this brilliant idea. It was my idea. I said, let's take, let's take fruit off the trees and bomb them in, in the pool over, over the house. And uh, I, it was my idea. I thought it was a great idea. Doesn't it sound like a great idea? No. Has the, it has the ring of deep intelligence connected to it. And uh, my younger brother, my, so my little, my little brother, if you saw him now, he's this big old hulk of a dude, but he was this like, little guy back then, and he said, I want to play too. And so my, my friends and I were throwing oranges, and we're creating a scene, and, and my little brother says, I, I want to play too, and I said, you're too little to play. And that was fighting words for my brother. So. He said, I want to throw oranges too. I said, you're, gonna, you're not going to do it. You're going to throw it right through the window of our neighbor's house. And he goes, I will not. He picked, off, picked a fruit orange off the tree, went to fling it, threw it right through the front window. Aww. And we had to march our butts home and tell my dad. And that was not a great day for my brother. <laughs> and I thought I was almost clean till my brother and my dad said, whose stupid idea was that? And that was not a great day for me. But anyhow, this is sometimes I look at the church and I think, wow, you know, but Jesus has chosen to build his church in this particular fashion. And it makes you wonder why, right? Uh, I was thinking of this in, in two weeks, I'm going to celebrate and don't clap. It's been awkward all morning. In two weeks, uh, I'm gonna celebrate 30 years in Christian ministry. You don't have to clap. Okay, don't, no, no, no. Actually, I actually meant that. I meant don't do that. But um, here's the interesting thing um, I've had this unique vantage point as a pastor to watch the church in action. We began our ministry an hour north of here in a church in Stewart. And uh, I showed up in June. Some of you heard me share this story. I showed up in June, and my pastor welcomed me into his office, and he said, hey, I forgot to tell you that we, I take July off. And I didn't think much of it until I looked at my calendar, and it was the 21st of June. And I said, well, what do you mean like you take July off? He said, I take the whole month of July off. And I was like, okay. And then he was gone, and 12 people in the church died. I did 12 funerals my first month of ministry. He came back. I was a funeral preaching expert. <laughs> he called me near the end of that month, and he said, I don't know what you're preaching. Stop. People are dropping like flies. <laughs> so that was my first place. We go to a, I go to another church north, uh, in North Florida, a little town called Monticello. How many of you all heard of Monticello? 30 minutes uh, east of Tallahassee. And Beth had just given birth to our, our our older daughter, Haley. So we were there, and we're figuring it out. And that's the church that, that made me a preacher. I wasn't much of a preacher until I got there, and that showed up every seven days. You know, you have to preach every seven days. And our first Christmas, we were there. Um, Christmas Eve was the 24th of uh, Saturday, 24th of December. Sunday, uh, the 25th, Christmas Day was the 25th. So I was going to preach Saturday night and then Sunday, two completely different services. And back then, I mean, there was I only had a part time secretary, and we were working on the worship folder and the bolts and all this weird stuff. And um, so we get to Christmas Eve; it's packed. I'm a brand new preacher, and this woman comes up to me and she says, um, "I'm not going to be there tomorrow. Can I get a worship folder because you're going to list the memory of all the loved ones? And we do poinsettias. How many know churches do that? Some of us do." And so I gave her the worst I gave her the bulletin and she came up to me after church and she goes we have a problem. And I said we have a problem. She goes yeah, she goes like you have a problem. I said well what is my problem? And and she showed me the the bulletin and and we had designated a new space in the bulletin for our shut-ins. And it and it said our shut-ins only only we had we had spelled it incorrectly. I'll let you catch up. And instead of a U, it it was an I. And I looked at that and I said, "Oh yeah, we have a problem." And so I went home. This is this is Bethel. Remember this on Christmas Eve, we put we put Haley down, and we took three hundred worship folders and we whited out the the mistake and. Gave them out on Christmas Day. And as the Lord is my witness, I am up there preaching my guts out on Christmas Day. And I look out at this congregation and everybody's doing this. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to be unemployed on Christmas Day. But, but here's, here's the interesting thing. Jesus said the church is going to be my way I'm going to get my work done. And Jesus always does things differently. They kept looking for a king. Came as a baby. They, they, they thought when he rolled into town, he was going to overturn Rome. Went on a cross. They thought when he was dead, he would stay dead. Rose from the dead. And then he said, I'm going to take a ragtag group of people and I'm going to make a church. Wow. And we're going to get the work done. And it's interesting, this is the epicenter of where it all happens. And it's kind of an interesting thing to think of. There's some stuff going on here that I I, I want you to see. First of all is this, Matthew, I think it's 16, verse 18. Uh, they're going through Caesarea Philippi. I think we have some play, uh, I want to show you here's Caesarea Philippi. I think we have a picture of it. There's the ruins of Caesarea Philippi. This is the farthest, I believe, north it was Jesus was ever doing his ministry. Uh, it was the farthest away from the temple he ever was. This is a very political place. He's walking with the disciples through here. In fact, here's a picture that Vic and Kathy took just of the same location, just a little bit different angle. This is, um, they just took this two weeks ago. They were there and, um, and so Jesus is walking through Caesarea Philippi. He hears everybody talking about him. He starts telling the disciples, he said, hey, people are talking about me. What, what are they saying? And we just read it. They're saying, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're like you're a prophet. Some say you're John the Baptist. And then he turns to Peter and he says, who do you say that I am? Now, I want you to notice this. It's always a personal question. I mean, you're going to hear a lot of things when you leave here about Jesus. You have your friends and your loved ones telling you everything. But here's what Jesus is most interested in. He's most interested in what you have to say about him. Amen. So he asked Peter, and then Peter just says it. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus responds. He said, you know, that didn't come through you. That kind of came through my father. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to build my church And when you look at this historically, I want to to tell you this, the first 300 years of the church was called the apostolic period. And in the apostolic period, uh, small little gatherings of people would come together. And this is how the church got its work done. They would tell the stories of Jesus as they ate a meal together. And then they would go out and and, and live. And then they'd come back again and they, somebody would tell them the story. That was called the Apostolic Period. And, and there was a little uh, uh, Eastern Germanic group in this Apostolic Period that was translating the Bible. And they translated the Bible and they looked at the word church, ecclesia, and watch this. They translated it gathering, which means gathering. And, and they translated gathering, they thought it meant house, like building. And then watch this, because you're going to you're going to connect this, although you didn't know what was going on. Then the church entered into a a period called the Christendom period, and it's it lasted a thousand years. And watch this during the Christendom period, because because they thought the church was a building, we built these incredible buildings. We still visit them today, and here's what's sad about them. There are more people visiting them during the week, taking pictures of the building than are worshiping there on Sunday. And that's the Christendom period because the church is a building. And then we moved into what we're still in today, scholars would say, which is called the Reformation period. And the Reformation period is this. We come to a building and we hear somebody tell us about Christ. And this is what we do. We watch. And this is all it is. We watch. Now, parallel to this is a little misunderstanding that happens in the text. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, you're a rock. and I'm going to build my church on you, because you're a rock. And because we thought that the church is a building, and because rocks were used in the construction of buildings, we began to think again, the church as a gathering, as a gathering in a building And that's what we do. And so you can go to Rome and you can see this is uh, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. The building and the stones upon which uh, are built on top of the tomb of the Apostle Peter. Because the church is a building. And so we get together And we become like a stone, and we watch. But at the end of the Christendom period, something interesting happened. There was a guy by the name you're going to see him here named William Tyndale. And William Tyndale uh, was a Bible translator. He's the first one who translated the Bible into English. And William Tyndale, um, uh, at the end of the Christendom period, uh, began to look at the idea of church and the word ecclesia, where we thought it was gathering. And he said, really, it's really a gathering of people that are called out. So, in other, in other words, watch this. We do this, this is good, this is important really important. But here's what I want to remind you. This is not all there is. There's more to it than this. And so we understand that if it's a building or it's a, a, you know, it wasn't just something where we're building it on Peter, there was this group of people that began to investigate this idea around what William Tyndale was saying. And he was saying it's called out. So, so it's, it's a gathering of people who are called out. It's more based on the confession around the common idea. What's the common idea? When we come in here, what is the common idea? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I don't know whatever Billy leads us in singing, whatever set up here, whatever prayers are offered, whatever Pastor Trevor or I or any of the other communicators will say. I will tell you what, here's the central dominant idea. Anytime the church comes together, it's this. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. But we don't just do this. I have a friend who said it this way. Unless you're mobilized, you fossilize. <laughs> and I bet if we went out and did a poll today of like what people outside who would never do what we're doing right now, what they think of what we're doing, here's primarily what they think we're doing. Come on, this is what we do. And we start doing stuff like this. Do we like the music? Uh does, does he keep me entertained? Why are his ears so big? <laughs> Am I being fed? And if we don't like it, we just go to another place. Do so I like the music? Why are his ears so small? It's not just this. May God forgive us that we've made it this. As a friend of mine says, we're all, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And we're all liking the coffee and the music and Really interesting. When Peter was writing the book, the letter that bears his name in the New Testament, it was almost as though he wanted to go back and one more time stroke at this misunderstanding in an effort to keep it clean and clear in 1 Peter two twenty four, I find it very interesting that he says this. He said, uh, "As you come to him, he says." Look, notice his writing here: the living stone. That's different. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to God. You all, look at this. You also, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, works of service is how that actually should be translated, acceptable to God through Christ because you're a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. Look at this, that you may declare the praises of Him. Here it comes. Who what? Called you out. It's not this. It's being called out. And this is how God's going to get his work done. This idea is so embedded into my soul. I, I can't get it out of my brain. And can I just make a confession? When I am tired and cranky, which hardly ever happens, but (laughs) I mean, sometimes I want to just run from it, but I can't get it out of my brain. There's nothing like the church when the church is working right. But he's saying this, get the heck out of your seat and get on mission. This is how he's going to get his work done. Every now and again, I want to go, Lord, that's the best idea you got. Mm -hmm. And in like so many other ways, he said, will you just trust me? You know, uh, I want to offer, we're going to participate in a challenge at the end. You feel, can I I give you a challenge? I've done it the other two services, so I don't want to leave you out. Uh, we get a lot of, we have a lot of needs in our community. How many would say we have a lot of needs in our community? Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about this uh, in the last recent days. I was thinking about um, some of the needs that I've been aware of. Single mom who's having a lot of car trouble. I can't, and is choosing between, you know, do I fix the car? Or do I pay rent and feed the kids? That's a real need. Here's Here's another real need I've run into. Older senior adult, do I fix my AC or do I buy my medicine? Wow, uh, here's another one foster parent who's having a hard time transitioning into what they feel like they're called to do. But this is this is hard, and I thought of an idea, and uh so here comes the challenge so just bear with me don't weird out just bear with me okay did anybody recognize the one thing that we've not done yet in the service anybody know what it is some of you are holding up it's the offering and you guys thought you were off the hook but you're not off the hook and and so worry about this so if you're new you don't have to freak out we always say if you're a guest Billy normally does this every weekend so just don't feel obligated But I'm going to do something a little different, and I'm going to try and experiment, because I want to show you there's something really powerful that happens when we get on mission and we get on mission together. This is the church. When the church is on mission together, there's something very, very powerful about this. So, So here's what we're going to establish today, and we're going to try this out through the summer, okay? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call it the Dollar Club. So you've come in here. Okay, And you, many of us have brought, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us have brought our offering. We're going to give our offering. But here's how I'm going to challenge you today. I want you to open your wallet. I want you to open your purse or whatever it is, okay? And I want you to pull another dollar out and we're going to give the dollar. And then what we're going to do is we're going to start meeting some of those needs and we're going to give this money away. Now watch what we're going to do in this. We're going we're to start this exercise. We're going to call it the Dollar Club, and you come back next week. We'll tell you exactly what we did with the money. Now, I know money in church is weird, but I want you to hear me here. We're giving this money away. This is not money we're, we're keeping, okay? So we're, we're going to participate because here's what I want to do. I want to show you when the church is on mission and we're all working together, this is a powerful, powerful thing. And this will help us not say, no as often as we sometimes have to say when some of these needs are coming along. And so here's what we've challenged people to do. Um, if you're here today, how many people came with you, give, give that amount of money. So if you, you like my wife and I spend the two of us, uh, she keeps all the money. Uh, she gives me an allowance. I said, can I, can I have a couple of bucks?" And she's given me some money, so I've been putting my money in. And, and here's what we're going to do we're going to take that money we're going to take the total number of attendance we have on a weekend and that's the amount of money we're going to give away and we're just going to give this thing a try and we're going to call it the dollar club it may fall flat on its face and it may be hot fire but we're, we're, we're going to try it okay so I'm going to invite our ushers forward they didn't even know we were going to do this so they they're like thought I forgot And we're going to take up our offering. I have my buck just right here. I'm going to add to it. Thank you very much. Let's pray together. Lord, show us, show us what happens when we get out of our seats and get on mission together as your rescue agents in a world that's lost its way. In Jesus' name, amen. Billy? God, would you challenge us on this weekend when so many around our country will find their way to a moniker, a monument, a rock, a stone, and remember something past. Remind us in this space, O oh God, that the church of Jesus Christ is not a stone, it's a living stone. It's not a monument, it's a movement. It's a testimony of your grace breaking forth in our life and hopefully in all of the lives around us as a result of your transforming work in our own space. God, let us be a force for good, united around a common mission and a common truth that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And everyone said, Amen. If you've never made Jesus your Lord or you want prayer, we have our team here. Don't leave before you take a moment and let them pray over you or for you. Go in his peace. We'll see you next weekend.